Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Onco Farm, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is a just stunningly gorgeous early May day, 2022. Uh, going to go back and do a landmark, not a landmark, a hallmark of Onco Farm uh, series. Uh, for those of you maybe new to the podcast, this is where we talk about, you know, the bread and butter chemo drugs that we see over and over again on a daily basis. Uh, there is a, a Spotify playlist that has all these uh, compi- compiled. At some point, I'll add the docetaxel one to that playlist as well, uh, which is what we're talking about today. Docetaxel, aka uh, brand name here in the States, Taxateer. Um, just occurred to me, uh, and we'll get to this, that one of the side effects of, of docetaxel is excessive tearing. Uh, and of course, taxateer is spelled T-E-R-E, but you could spell it T-E-A-R if you want to help remember that epiphoria or excessive tearing side effect of taxotier. Um, I won't get, uh, you know, lots of times the, the most fun thing on these um, hallmark of Oncopharm uh, podcast is to go back in the history of when this drug was developed. Uh, I did a lot of that with Paclitaxel's story and, uh, and Dosotaxel's story. Uh, begins with Paclitaxel stories and the Pacific U and all that stuff, which which I won't go into. Um, but once Paclitaxel was discovered, they looked at ways to modify Paclitaxel, and that's how you end up with Dosotaxel, which was FDA approved in 1996, not all that long ago, at least for me. Uh, I was 13 then, um, and that approval was for metastatic breast cancer originally. Uh, from a mechanism of action standpoint, I always learn something more when I when I uh, prepare for a podcast, even for a drug that I feel like I know pretty well in, in docetaxel. So what I know uh, or knew and what you probably uh, uh, know, docetaxel uh, is uh, an inhibitor of microtubules uh, distinct from vinc alkaloids. Uh, taxanes promote and then paralyze microtubule assembly. And by paralyzing microtubule assembly, prevent disassembly, uh, and that leads to cell death. But uh, taxanes also have some other things that they do. So they can promote inflammatory responses. Um, um, And this appears to happen at lower concentrations of the drug uh, than at higher concentrations of the drug. And this may be some explanation for why that weekly paclitaxel in breast cancer is better than every three weeks. Why that wasn't seen with docetaxel, we don't know. But we do know that there are different, you know, affinities for taxanes for the tubulin uh, binding site with the, the beta tubulin binding site within the microtubules. Um, you know, docetaxel was more potent for that binding site than paclitaxel, so there certainly can be some differences based on on that. Um, there are also differences in tubulin uh, isoforms based on cell tissue uh, and uh, and the uh, type of tissue. Um, so you know, tubulin is expressed in um, uh, neurons, which uh, helps explain probably some of the. Uh, the neuropathy that we see with these drugs and the uh, axon function impairment that you see. Tubulin is also expressed in skeletal cells, and it's different than in other cells, which can explain the arthralgias and myalgias we see uh, after taxanes, what has been called taxol syndrome for a few days afterwards. Uh, Dosotaxel uh, and taxanes can also inhibit angiogenesis by inhibiting capillary tube formation, uh, and this uh, seems to lead to some increased capillary formation, uh, increased capillary permeability which uh, is as part of the explanation for the fluid retention and edema that we see with docetaxel. They can also uh, stimulate free radical production, which is one of the reasons I'm always trying to get that vitamin C stopped in people taking that one gram of uh, you know vitamin C that's like really like 
850 milligrams probably of urinary vitamin C into the toilet for each dose. Uh, there's also some associated with, with BCL2 and, and BCL2 inhibition seems to be synergistic in the lab setting with docetaxel, so something may be coming down the line from that. But the answer on the test is gonna be uh, inhibits microtubule uh, disassembly by promoting disassembly. That's, that's kind of the, the long and short of it. Uh, and that usually is gonna be around the M phase. It's a cell cycle specific agent. From a toxicity standpoint, you don't know, we know about the neuropathy we see with any microtubule inhibitors. The neuropathy with docetaxel is, uh, you know, similar but less severe and less likely to happen with, uh, you know, cycle per cycle of docetaxel compared to cycle for cycle of paclitaxel. Um, however, there is more neutropenia um, and general myelosuppression with docetaxel than with paclitaxel. Neutropenia is the dose-limiting toxicity uh, of, of docetaxel. Uh, then you can see alopecia as well, uh, mucositis, more mucositis with, with docetaxel than with paclitaxel. Uh, it is lowly emetogenic, uh, actually, uh, and uh, we do see that edema uh, and that fluid retention uh, syndrome can, uh, can even happen despite corticosteroid prophylaxis, uh, but you do have to give that corticosteroid prophylaxis. And this is one of those things, if you're a medical oncology fellow, I would expect to be on your boards. Why do we give docetaxel prior to, um, or why do we give dexamethasone prior to docetaxel? It's to prevent edema and fluid retention. And it's eight milligrams BID for three days starting the day before, um, except for prostate cancer. For prostate cancer, it's different. It's eight milligrams 12 hours before a dose, eight hours before a dose, or three hours before a dose, and one hour before a dose. And the reason for that differing corticosteroid schedule is that the, the docetaxel regimen for prostate cancer also includes prednisone, uh, prednisone, uh, in theory, helping some of the uh, treatment for prostate cancer by decreasing adrenal uh, um, adrenal gland uh, synthesis of, of androgens. So the edema, that's the, the really unique one there for docetaxel from a pre-medication standpoint, and the neuropathy. Those are the two things that are kind of most different about docetaxel from the other drugs. So of course, you, the neutropenia, alopecia, you know, you see that. There's some other unique stuff with, with docetaxel. Uh, as with paclitaxel, you can see some nail changes with taxanes. Uh, one of the more unique things with docetaxel is the epiphora, or excessive tearing. This has to do with maybe some lacrimal duct uh, blockade. I've even heard one of my uh, physicians I work with saying that somebody on docetaxel that he treated had to have a lacrimal gland stenting at some point. Don't know if that's true, maybe maybe it's just a myth, but uh, certainly fits with the excessive tearing you see with docetaxel. And you know, the literature suggests this can be like 30, 40, I've even seen north of 50% incidences reported for uh, excessive tearing. Probably one of those things if, you, you know, if it's just a little bit excessive, you would never uh, identify it unless you explicitly asked about it. Now, although the answer on the test is to prevent edema, we also have some benefit from steroids in decreasing, say, skin reactions that you would see uh, with docetaxel, as well as hypersensitivity reactions. Now, the hypersensitivity reactions are unlikely to be due to docetaxel. They're more likely to be due to polysorbate 80. So paclitaxel is, is more hydrophilic, sorry, more uh, uh, lipophilic uh, than docetaxel. Docetaxel um, so for that reason, paclitaxel is very hard to get into solution. It has very poor solubility. Docetaxel solubility is a little bit better to the point you don't need the cremophore vehicle to get docetaxel into solution. You can use polysorbate 80 and a little bit of booze, a little bit of alcohol in there as well. Um, and so you can see reactions to polysorbate 80 
Um, uh, and there's also some polysorbate 80 in paclitaxel as well. So every now and then you have somebody reacts to paclitaxel, you switch them to dosotaxel, and they react to both uh, drugs. It's probably polysorbate 80 in both drugs. And polysorbate 80 is an excipient in lots of formulations. There's an IV, a prepotent, or phosphate prepotent formulation that has polysorbate 80. Uh, I think it's an etoposide. It's in lots and lots of IV drugs as a diluent and an excipient. Um, it does have an irritant or vesicant-like property. So upon extravasation, if the drug leaks through a blood vessel, it, will, it can cause some irritation there. Um, there's conflicting evidence about should you do a cold compress or a hot compress. I kind of err on the side of what ESMO and the European Oncology Nursing Society recommend, which is, uh, uh, and this is the same for taxanes and for vincas, uh, a process called disperse and dilute. So first starting with a hot compress, which will increase blood flow to the area, which will uh, help move the drug around, uh, right? You get more blood flow, any docetaxel is leaked out of the blood vein is more likely to then uh, recirculate back into the systemic venous circulation and then disperse with hyaluronidase. We know from our, our sub-Q uh, monoclonal antibody uh, drugs that hyaluronidase breaks down uh, connective tissue uh, and that would allow for more uh, fluid to come in and dilute and then disperse our, our taxane uh, or vinca, okay? Uh, other side effects, uh, actually these are now warnings, precautions, all right? So there is a boxed warning for increased mortality of docetaxel if it's given to people with hepatic dysfunction. Uh, most of these deaths occurred during cycle one, uh, suggesting incomplete marrow recovery because they got too much because docetaxel was eliminated by the liver into the bile. Uh, patients with a history of polysorbate allergy, also a boxed warning. Some other boxed warnings I won't go into. Uh, there are uh, some precautionary statements about an increased risk of secondary malignancies, skin reactions, neuropathy, cystoid macular edema, which is something I had not heard of, which is why I like going back and looking at the PIs for these old drugs. Sometimes there's some stuff in there you forget about. Uh, stenia, embryo-fetal toxicity. Uh, you can see tumor lysis syndrome for certain cancers, um, which is kind of an odd uh, warning when you think about what we use it for. Um, and then there's a little bit of alcohol in there, and there's a warning that, you know, you, patients may have impaired ability to drive or something after receiving a dose of docetaxel. Okay, finally, where do we use this? Well, it is uh, FDA approved for breast, ca gastric, head and neck, non-small cell lung cancer, and prostate cancer, uh, which are, you know, uh, breast is one of the four most common, lung cancer one of the four most common, prostate one of the four most common, uh, gastric is uh, in the ten, you know, in the top ten, right? So some pretty common solid tumors. Uh, what you don't see there are leukemias, lymphomas, and, and even our off-label uses don't tend to include leukemias, lymphomas. There's some esophageal data that's pretty good, some soft tissue sarcoma, some bladder cancer, some ovarian cancer, some of this, some of that. But really, those labeled indications are where we see most of our docetaxel use. I would say the standard, air quotes, standard dose of docetaxel was 75 milligrams per meter squared. Uh, when it was first studied in breast cancer, it was like from 60 to 100, you know, and um, so 75 is kind of right in the middle. Uh, many f uh, protocols these days will say uh, the first dose is 75 per meter squared with the physician option to increase to 100 in patients who tolerate 75 well or decrease to 50 if they don't tolerate it from a cytopedia standpoint. There also is a weekly dosing that's typically 40, maybe 60, but usually 40 milligrams per year squared given weekly, often in conjunction with, uh, with radiation as taxanes are radiosensitizers. 
And finally, from an ADME standpoint, uh, absorption, which doesn't matter for the IV drug here, but distribution, metabolism, excretion, uh, pretty wide uh, volume distribution here. Uh, metabolized via CYP3 or 4, so we do have drug-drug interactions to worry about. Uh, what we know from the PI is that cutaconazole, potent 3 or 4 inhibitor, doubles exposure of the drug, decreases clearance by half. So, you know, if... If you gave somebody 75 of docetaxel while they were taking, say, like voriconazole or something like that, you're probably giving them the equivalent of 150 milligrams per meter squared of docetaxel. Life-threatening neutropenia likely would ensue. Um, it also is a substrate for peak like a protein, drug efflux pump, which is one of the main mechanisms of resistance. Um, uh, and we actually have some data with paclitaxel that uh, genetic mutations to the ABC gene, which encodes for peak like a protein, that those differences uh, predict neuropathy uh, because the drug re is retained in probably those nerves longer, leading to neuropathy. I will also mention there is a frightening case report I read years ago of a fatal reaction to the, a dose of docetaxel. The first time it was given with dronetarone, which has some 3 or 4 and some peak liquor protein uh, issues. So always avoid that. And then finally, if you were giving a taxane and a platinum together, you would give the taxane first, then the platinum. There's some, some data suggesting that giving the platinum first or delays the clearance of the taxane and can increase toxicity. So you do the taxane first, then the platinum. Uh, so that's docetaxel. You know, one of a uh, you know, one of our uh, hallmark drugs, and we've done so many of these, uh, you know, we're going back to, to repeat drugs from, uh, not repeat drugs, but we're going back to the same class, right? We've done ifosfamide, we've done carboplatin after doing cyclophosphamide and cisplatin. Now we're doing docetaxel after paclitaxel. So if there's a drug out there that you see a lot you want to hear about, uh, let me know so I, you know, so I know to do it. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeatnib. You can follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Mm -hmm.